Hello and welcome to the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. This is episode number two. Thank you for being here. If you're a returning listener, I appreciate you being here. If this is your first time, welcome. We're going to be talking about NBA, Europa League, Champions League. So yeah, let's get to it. Uh, as far as the NBA, um, the seedings in the East are set. It's going to be Bucks Magic, Raptors versus Nets, Celtics versus Sixers, Heat versus Pacers. The last matchup is the only one that's kind of entertaining. It's pretty entertaining, actually. The, the other ones, it should be pretty easy. Um, Bucks should win. Rap should, Raptors should win. Celtics should win pretty easily. Magic Nets, Sixers, they're not very good teams. Sixers had potential to maybe go deep, but they lost Simmons, so that kind of um, cancels all their chances of going deep. Heat versus Pacers. Um, the Heat have a very good roster. Like I said on my previous podcast, uh, they, have a, they have a lot of shooters to surround Jimmy Butler. Bama Dayo should be the most improved player. And they have a really good head coach. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of that they should be excited for. Pacers have TJ Warren, Oladipo, Turner. Um, what's his name? Rookie of the Year. Brogdon. Rookie of the Year for like three years ago, four years ago. Brogdon. They have a squad too, but mostly the, the, the game should be interesting because of TJ Warren versus Jimmy Butler. I think back in February, Jimmy Butler was asked about TJ Warren. He said, TJ Warren is not on my level. Like, we shouldn't even be talking, talked under the same breath. And at the time, you know, most people were like, yeah, yeah, that's right. It's, it's, you're, you're right. Um, Jimmy Butler had a way more proven player. But in the bubble, TJ Warren has been awesome. He's, he's scored a lot of points. He's led the Pacers to some wins. So they played like three days ago, and they finally got to match up again. And Jimmy Butler hadn't been playing. He had been hurt. That's his first game back. And they had a scuffle. It had, they had to be separated. It, it was it was a pretty good game. It was a good matchup. Jimmy Butler won this one because uh, he shut him down. I think he, he held him to like 12 points or 13 points. And TJ Warren did not score in the second half. So advantage Jimmy Butler. But now they get a play. Now they get a play for minimum four games in the playoffs. It should be a, it should be a good series. I do have the Heat going through. Um, Spolster is just a better coach than the Pacers head coach. They have a uh, they have more quality players. I trust Jimmy Butler is a dog. T.J. Warren, he, he I mean he's he's had some good games, but he's inexperienced. You know, this is like his first time on the in the limelight. I I don't think they're gonna be able to take him off. As far as the West, the West uh, we're still waiting to see who's gonna get that eight spot. Um, it could be the Blazers the Spurs, the Grizzlies, or the Suns. In my previous podcast, I said that the Suns had no chance, or even though they were like 4-0 or 5-0 and at the time, I didn't think they would have a chance to uh, make the playoffs, and that was going to be you know, kind of sad because they had been playing so good. But lo and behold, Devin Booker is putting that team on his back. They're 7-0 and as of this recording, and they actually have a chance. They have a chance to you know, sneak into the ninth, ninth spot and get get in the play-in i do i do hope they do make that because blazers versus suns for the play-in would be would be great would be great tv devin booker versus damian lillard going at it you know two two i mean lillard's not young he's 30 now but devin booker is super young 23 two two elite guards going at it carrying their teams a lot of teams that people thought were like dead in the water um when the nba uh had to stop because of coronavirus. So yeah, it'll be be a great matchup. Regardless of who gets the eight seed, um, as a Laker fan, I am not worried on who make who whoever gets the eight seed. I feel like the Lakers will handle them pretty good, pretty easily. Um, if it's if it's uh, the Grizzlies, the Suns, or the Spurs, it's gonna be easy easy four zero four zero cakewalk four zero sweep. If it's the Blazers. It'll probably be a gentleman sweep, a five, four, one, five games, five game series, maybe six. But I don't see the Blazers pushing the Lakers to, to a seven game. Or a lot of people even have the, the Blazers, winning, the series just outright, which I think is pretty crazy. It's kind of insulting to the Lakers. The Lakers have the number one seed for a reason. They were the number one seed for almost the whole season in the Western Conference, the the tougher division. They're still ranked as one of the best defenses in the. In the whole league, I know their offense has struggled a bit in the bubble, 
but I also do feel like LeBron LeBron has has been coasting in the bubble. I mean, basically secured the first spot in the first game when they beat the Clippers. Clippers was like the only like game that really counted, and they handled that. So I feel like they haven't been showing their best Arsenal since uh, in the bubble. But I mean, people people have people have I mean legitimate concern for playing the Blazers. I could see why they would be concerned. Lillard's playing out of his mind. Nurkic came back from his horrific leg injury and is playing like really, really good basketball. I think he's averaging 18 points in his first seven games back, which is really good as your third, third option, fourth option maybe because um, Carmelo's there. But I, I don't see them winning. Uh, I don't trust the Blazers' defense to be able to stop the, the Lakers. Lillard is, is playing like an MVP. He's playing like the best player in the league right now, but. I mean, Lillard. We've seen that from Lillard before. This is not. This is not the. I mean, he is on a different level. Don't get me wrong, but we've seen that from Lillard before. He. He's. This is not the first. It's not like he's just coming out of nowhere and we're like, damn, this is a whole different Lillard. Like we've seen Lillard scored fifty. We know what he could do. He's. 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 He's great on the offensive side, but on the defensive side, you know, there's a lot to be. There's a lot to be asked for him. Like he's not a great defender. Um, if you get if you get um if you get him switched on one of your players, you feel pretty comfortable. If he's the one defending you, um, McCollum, he, he's a good number two, but he's not an elite number two. Like, if you have LeBron and your running mate is AD, Anthony freaking Davis, one of the best players, one of the most skilled big men ever, and then you're Lillard, and, and you have McCollum as your running mate, like, you, you got to give the edge to the Lakers. In the playoffs especially, not, not in the regular season, in the playoffs, superstars win playoff games. That's... That's one of the main, like, takeaways from NBA history is you need stars in the playoffs. Stars win you games. Stars win you championships. And the Lakers would have the two best players in that series. And who's a lot of people are saying, who's going to stop Lillard? Who's going to stop McCollum? We have no guards. Well, Le- when LeBron wants to defend, he could he could pick up one of them. I mean, he won't shut down Lillard, but he could give him a hard time. He he has eight inches on him on of height. If you put LeBron on Lillard, I'm pretty sure he'll be able to slow him down at least somewhat, and then McCollum, McCollum could get his points, but, you know, he could just throw different types of bodies, maybe uh, Kuzma, Kuzma's long, he'll be able to give him, you know, a little bit of a trouble, and especially now that Kuzma's actually trying, it, it feels like Kuzma's actually, it bothers him when people score on him, which is good, I feel like there's there's been some growth this season in Kuzma, so I'm excited to see him in the playoffs, so yeah, I mean, like we could throw LeBron, we could throw Kuzma, even AD. He's not a bad perimeter defender. But I'll, I'll turn that question right back around to so the Blazers fans or the people that have the Blazers winning. Who's going to guard LeBron? Like the one player that the Blazers had that could have maybe slowed down LeBron was Trevor Ariza. He's kind of old now, but he's still a, a pretty good perimeter defender. But he didn't come to the bubble. He decided to stay home. Nothing wrong with that. He has a family to take to take care of, but. That's the one defender that the Blazers could have had to slow down LeBron. And now he's now he's not there. So who who are they gonna throw at him? Um, Carmelo. Carmelo has never been a good defender, and he's what like 36 years old now. Like you put you put Melo on LeBron, it's it's gonna be a cakewalk. It's gonna be easy. Um, they might. I know teams have tried throwing centers at LeBron at times. I mean, I, they don't have no fast-footed centers. They have a lot of pretty quality centers. Um, like decent, decent centers. They're not like elite. Nurkic, Nurkic is good offensively. Defensively, he he leaves. He's not that great. That's that's just facts. I mean, he's kind of good at defending the paint, but if you if you have him guarding LeBron on the perimeter, he he's not fast enough to keep up with him. Same could be said about Whiteside. He's he's a elite rim defender, but he's horrible out in space just because he's not quick on his feet. That's why the Heat got rid of him because he's too one-dimensional. Those kind of centers are, are just not that valuable in the NBA anymore. So, yeah, and then um, who's going to stop AD? Like, maybe Whiteside, he's a good defender, but, I mean, we saw what AD did to Rudy Gobert. Like, he just demolished him, and Rudy Gobert is a um, defensive player of the year. He's one of the elite defenders in the paint. So, Whiteside's not, it's not Rudy Gobert, and AD... AD handled Rudy Gobert pretty easily, so I mean, I just I just don't see, um, I just don't see the Blazers really giving the Lakers that much of a tr- of trouble. I could see 
the one thing I would say is uh, with the other teams, it would be blowouts. It would be a 4-0 sweep. It would be blowouts. But with the with the Blazers, I could see I could see them, you know, losing in five, losing in six, and all five or six of them being, you know, close games where you're in the last three minutes of the fourth quarter and you're you're like, whoa, you know, they might be able to pull this off. But at the end, you know, they won't be able to just because LeBron and AD are just that good. And the one thing I would say that people haven't been considering is LeBron is a savant at finding mismatches. Um, and that and that game versus the Clippers um, before the weekend, right before the NBA had to shut down. Um, Lou Williams, he's a he's a, he's a monster. He could score points. He could get buckets against anybody. But LeBron basically made him useless. He he made Doc Rivers had to uh, swap him out just because whoever Lou Williams was guarding, he would have that player come and set a screen for him. So then he sees Lou Williams guarding somebody. He'll tell that person, come set a screen with me. And then he'll he'll rub the defender that's defending LeBron James, and then he, they'll get the switch. And Lou Williams will be guarding LeBron James. And Lou Williams, for, for all his offensive prowess, he, he leaves a lot to be desired on defense too. So he'll just pick him apart like that. You know, He'll back down Lou Williams. The help would come, kick it out, extra pass, and then it's a, it's a wide open three. It's, LeBron knows how to manipulate defenses like nobody else, so. And and the Blazers just don't have defenders, and LeBron is still elite on offense. I don't know, I know he's he's maybe on the downside. He's not what he used to be, but he's still elite. Like you're gonna, you guys are gonna see how good he still is once these playoffs starts. AD's a monster. Lakers have basically the Lakers have the two best players in the series, and stars win you playoff series. Therefore, the Lakers are gonna win in five. In six. I'll say six. Lakers in six, but they're not going seven. And I, I don't get the the hysteria or, like, the, the panicking that uh, a lot of people seem to be having right now with the Blazers. They're having, they're having you know, a nice little run to make the playoffs. It's fun to see. Congratulations to Lillard for, you know, showing up, for shouting, sh- um, shutting up his doubters and letting the NBA know how, just how good of a player he is. Shout out for Camelo too for uh, getting getting a role back in the NBA for not retiring for persevering for sitting sitting almost a year out and coming back and you know being a contributor to a quality team. Shout out to Nurkic for uh, coming back from a horrific leg, leg injury and you know still being a really really solid player. And you know good good for the Blazers they get to make the playoffs again probably I have I do have them making the playoffs so shout out to them but. Six, six games tops. Six games tops. And that's it. I, I I don't see the... I don't see them... I don't see all these people that call them... They're saying that they might be the best eight seed ever. I don't see that. Six games tops. But I do have to say... I have to give um, Lillard credit for never backing down. Um, one of the things I love about the NBA is just... Uh, we get to see a lot of the elite players actually go against each other, which is awesome. Like seeing Lillard go up against Paul George and um, Beverly. Beverly didn't really play him, so he didn't get to go against him. But just seeing matchups, just it, it brought me flashbacks to last season when Damian Lillard sent Paul George and Westbrook home and he hit that game winner against OKC. That's one of the – that's still image of, you know, Paul George reaching over to block a – Damian Lillard shot, and he couldn't. And like just having two stars going up against each other, defending each other is. I think that's one of the things that um, I like so much about the NBA. Just because like in other sports like soccer or football, you don't really see that. I mean, there's like what other the stars in football is mostly their quarterbacks, Mahomes, Jackson, Breeze. Rodgers, you know, those are all the like you know, what the NFL markets. You know, when they have when they have uh, playoff matchups, you know, everyone's excited. Russell Wilson versus Rodgers and just stuff like that. But you know, they never really get to go against each other. You see, in the NBA, you'll see the two the two stars, you know, defending each other. The game comes down to the last minute, and you have them guarding each other. And the NFL for for I mean, the NFL is dope. I love the NFL, but. Like, growing up, I always saw Manning versus Brady. Manning versus Brady, one of the best matches ever. Two of the best quarterbacks. 
But at the end of the day, it would just be Brady against um, the Colts' defense and Manning against Brady's defense. And you know those the good those are it's fun to watch, but you never see the two stars going at it like in, in the NFL. You would see what like a like a great pass rusher going against a left tackle or a right tackle. I mean that's not that's not something that you turn on the TV to watch. Sometimes the camera angle doesn't even get get them like you know going at it. You don't really see oh man like that left tackle really held his own this this uh, snap you know, or I mean you have the wide receiver and the cornerback, but like like I said even the 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 TV angle doesn't really capture that as well as, as you know, they could. Or they just have to keep the, the camera on the football. So, for the most part, it's just watching the quarterback. Wide receiver, cornerback matchups are pretty pretty fun. Um, like running back and maybe a middle linebacker or quarterback and a safety. Having to, like, read each other's, like, cues and stuff like that. You know, it, it, it gets kind of, like, you do have some matchups that are pretty interesting. But for the most part, you never see the stars really match up against other stars. And, like, the outcome of the game de- determines, like, how these stars perform against each other. It's more it's more of a team aspect, which is which is nice. It's good. I love the NFL. But I love – I just love the singularity of the, the NBA of how you can have stars go at it, like, one-on-one. Paul George against Damian Lillard. Whenever you see Damian Lillard go up against um, Russell Westbrook, that's, that's must-watch TV because – you know they both they both are dogs. They both want to win. You see Westbrook, he gets points against like some other stars, and he's, he starts rocking the baby. Uh, the NBA is just a uh, it's a great league to watch. It's super entertaining. There's like drama. Um, it, NBA players are very intertwined intertwined with the pop culture. You always see uh, there's like the all Kardashian team and stuff like that. It's just. The NBA just has so much quality content that you could consume. If you don't watch the NBA, I recommend you to, to pick it up. It's uh, it's very entertaining, especially if you follow, like, the storylines. The NBA is one of the best at keeping storylines throughout the season and just following player movement. Another thing that I like about the NBA is, like, players nowadays have uh, a lot of say where they could go. Think uh, Mostly thanks to LeBron, he started the movement on empowering players to move to teams where they feel like their career could go um, in a high, better trajectory. So he kind of started that when he went to Miami, and then after that, a lot of players that followed, which I think I think is good for the NBA. I, I didn't like uh, what KD did, but, I mean, I don't I don't feel like a lot of players would do that, do what KD did. I feel like that's maybe one in a million. Most most people know that, you know, you got to keep a competitive balance and you go to a team. Like Kawhi. Kawhi signed with the Clippers. He could have signed with the Lakers. That would have been crazy. Like, Lakers would have obviously been the favorites. Even more of the favorites they would have had. Like, it would have been crazy. It would have been another, like, Warriors situation, basically. So, as much as I want the Lakers to win a championship, I'm kind of glad Kawhi didn't come to us just because it would kind of ruin the parody of the NBA. But, yeah, the NBA is elite. I love the NBA. It's one of my favorite sports to watch. It's definitely top three of the sports. Growing up, uh, soccer was my favorite sport. It was the sport I played. It was the sport I followed the most. And then I picked up football because one of my teachers, um, she was a diehard um, Seattle Seahawks fan, and she would always just bring them up and talk about them. And I'd be like, man, what is this lady talking about? And then I started, um, I was like, man, I might have to check out some football. And then I started watching the NFL. I'm like, oh, okay, this is dope. I love the NFL. And ever since that, ever since elementary school, I was like, all right, the NFL, NFL is dope. And then almost the same thing with basketball. I just kept people hearing, I kept hearing um, people talk about the basketball. And, you know, people always said, oh, man, the NBA is so dope. So I, then I decided to take a look. Sure enough, the NBA is so dope. And I, I just love the NBA now. So if you were to ask me what my favorite sport is, I, I would have a, a very difficult time answering that question. Um, for, the, for a while, I mean, it was clearly soccer. And then football was making a push to beat soccer, and basketball was my third favorite sport. But I feel like maybe now, if you ask me, I still got to give soccer the nod. I love watching a good soccer game, Champions League, um, the World Cup. The World Cup is amazing. Nothing can compare like the World Cup. And but yeah, basketball is number two now, and the NFL would have to be would have to be third. And then after that, you know, I'll, I'll watch some tennis. 
I'll dabble in some baseball, but basketball, basketball is elite, man. I, I feel like basketball has the potential to, to be my favorite sport in the near future. And I feel like basketball is the only sport that could be as global as soccer. I don't think it'll ever get as global as soccer is, but it is the only one that could kind of approach that type of uh, global like audience. Football, football's too American. Football, football's dope. I love the NFL, but it's too American. Like they're trying to push it in England and stuff like that. It's, there is a market for it, but I would never feel like there. There'll never be like a a Euro League for the for NFL, like where Luka Doncic came from when he was playing in the second best league in the world, um, in Spain. Um, that I don't think that will ever happen with the NFL. There, there's just not like a. There's just not people like in other parts of the world that really want to play football. Yeah, I'm very excited for this year's playoffs. This is the first year since like 2015 where we don't know who's going to make it out of the West. The Warriors had a stranglehold on the West for so long that... You know, it kind of kind of demoralized a lot of NBA fans from watching. Like the Warriors were so good. Shout out to the Warriors, man. I I kind of hated on them during their run just because, I mean, it's a thing to do when teams get really good. But man, that and I didn't like the KD move. That that didn't help either. But their their dominance was elite. Like, I mean, you could be hopeful that maybe the Rockets would knock them out. And you could be hopeful that, you know, the Thunder were going to take him out and stuff like that. But deep down, he kind of always knew that the Warriors were just going to make it all the way back to the finals. And although it was fun to see them, they're a good team to watch. They're good uh, for the NBA. Um, it, it, yeah, I, I kind of like it when there's when there's parity in the NBA, when there other teams, could, anybody can make the, the finals when, when – uh, a fourth seed has a chance or a third seed. I don't like it being so like automatic where okay, this is just uh this is just because we have to do it, you know? This is just because like we have to do the playoffs. Like this is a formality almost. Like we all know the Warriors are gonna make it. Let's just skip to the finals, Warriors versus Cavs, let's get it over with. Now, on both sides, even even though the Bucks are a great team and they were like on pace to break records and stuff before the NBA shut down. Like, there's no guarantee that the Bucks are going to make it out of the East. I don't even think they are just because Giannis has no three and I don't trust Middleton as a number two. Um, They might. They have a chance. Hopefully they do just so they're able to keep Giannis. But I don't, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the, if the Raptors made it out. They have Nick Nurse. He's such a good coach. And I, w- I wouldn't be surprised either if the Celtics find a way to get to the finals. So, you know, I love that about the East. You know, it's wide open for the most part, the top three teams, even the Heat. I'll be kind of surprised if they make the finals, but it wouldn't shock me. Like, they could do it in the West. Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets. Don't sleep on the Nuggets. They're the deepest team in the West. I mean, stars matter for the – it's the number one thing that matters in the playoffs, but depth, can't forget about depth. Um, I think depth does matter more in the regular season just because it's 72, 82 games. So it's a long it's a long season, injuries and stuff like that. In the playoffs, when you know who you're playing on, you know, for four games straight, you know the matchups, the Stars win games. But, I mean, depth, depth, still, depth still matters in the, in the playoffs. So the Nuggets are the deepest team in the West. They have a chance to maybe make the, the finals. Can't forget about the Rockets. Rockets are legit. Don't don't sleep on the Rockets. They they could they could push any team to seven games. They might just they might just make the finals this year. Don't don't count out Russell West Russell Russell Westbrook and James Harden. They could definitely they could definitely make the finals. So I hope the Lakers make it. I hope we have a Lakers Clippers Western Conference final. That would be amazing. That's what that's what I've been waiting for since end since the beginning of the season since Kawhi signed. Since Kawhi and Paul George signed with the with the Clippers, I've been waiting for this matchup. I feel like a lot of people have been waiting for this matchup, so I'll be very upset if we don't get to see it. I feel like we should. It, when it comes down to it, I think 
both teams are going to make it, and it's going to be a great, 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 great playoff series. And then in the Eastern Conference, it should be fun too. It's just, I'm just very excited. I'm like, I'm so excited. Don't let coronavirus distract you from the fact that this is the first playoffs in a long time that it's going to be wide open, and you don't know who's going to make the finals. There's plenty. If you were a betting man, it would be hard to get you know the finals cor- correct. I mean, the, probably the safe bet would be Lakers, Lakers Bucks, or Clippers Bucks. But any other matchup, for the most part, wouldn't be so surprising. Like if you see Clippers Bucks, I mean Rockets Bucks, you you know when you get there to the finals, you won't be like, man, no one saw, no one saw this coming. No one saw the Rockets making it. No one saw um, Bucks Raptors. I mean, not Bucks Raptors. Raptors Raptors Rockets. Like, oh, what? How did that happen? Now you'll be like, okay. Rockets, Rockets have two elite players, and the West is wide open, and the Raptors are defending champions, and they have Nick Nurse, and they have Van Vliet and Lowry and Siakam. Like, this year is going to be great for playoffs. If you don't like the NBA or you have not been keeping up, tune in, tune in for this year's playoffs. It's going to be one of the best playoffs ever. Um, I wanted to give my predictions on the NBA awards. Um Giannis should win back-to-back MVP. He should run away with it. There's a lot of people that say uh, LeBron should win it, but he has AD. AD's a monster. AD, for the most part, has better numbers than LeBron. I'm a diehard Laker fan. It would be it'd be great for LeBron to win an MVP with the Lakers, but I just don't see it. I, I don't I don't understand that narrative that people are trying to give him uh, more votes because the late Kobe Bryant died and it was hard on him and he he had to go through a lot to carry. You know the Lakers to the first to the first seed, but I don't think that adds weight to his MVP case. You know, Giannis has been has better numbers. He has a better record. He doesn't have the co-star that LeBron does. So for for myself, I would pick Giannis as the as the MVP, and I feel like he should run away with it. I don't think it should be close, as people are saying. MVP MVP is clearly Giannis. Defensive Player of the Year. I think uh, Giannis is going to think become one of only like three players to win MVP and Defensive Player of the Year in the same year. And I do have him winning it, so congratulations. I mean, if I was given the award, congratulations, but I'm not. But I do have I do have him winning it. Rookie of the Year, John Morant. Um, if it was up to me, it would be unanimous. Zion has been, you know, he's been good, but he, he's been like kind of lackluster. Um, he's He's not that good on defense. He gets his points, but he didn't even play that many games. And and the the award is based on games before the bubble, and he barely played any. So I think John Morant should win it almost unanimously. It's pretty easy. It's a pretty easy award to hand out. It's John Morant all the way. Six men of the year. That one's kind of a little harder. It's gonna come down between Lou Williams, Montrezl Harrell, and Dennis Schroeder. And I have Dennis Schroeder winning it. He had a great season for OKC. That whole OKC team just uh, surprised a lot of a lot surprised a lot of teams. Surprised everybody basically. Once Paul George, Paul um, Chris Paul got traded to that team for Westbrook, you know, people thought that that was it. They were gonna blow it up again. That team was gonna you know fall off a cliff, and they weren't gonna make the playoffs. And you know, Chris Paul for the, he's the most responsible for them being in the playoffs, but. Dennis Shooter had a great had a great year. Dennis Shooter has always had that potential to be a good point guard. Um, when the Hawks were good and they had him as his backup, I kind of kind of felt that they should give him the reins and make him the starting point guard instead of Jeff Teague. Jeff Teague is a pretty medi- mediocre point guard in my opinion. Um, Dennis Shooter definitely is quicker and he has more potential. So I think the Hawks messed up back then, but this year Dennis Shooter played really good. I think he should win Sixth Man of the Year. Most improved player, Bama Vidayo. He's been killing it the whole season. He's one of those bigs that will make it like um, in the NBA. The NBA is evolving. Like the big man position is kind of dying. But if you're like Bama Vidayo or you're quick on your feet, you could guard a guard. You could guard a guard. You could guard the guard position, the one or the two. You could switch onto anybody, and and you know, you won't be like, you won't be that uh bad of a defender on them like for most people if you if you get a big to switch on your point guard or your shooting guard you, you're in a bad position they're, you, they're gonna get blown um blown by 
but Bamadadayo has quick feet. He's he's laterally quick too. He, he'll be able to keep up with a lot of the point guards and shooting guards. Um, he's one of those big men that you know they fit today's NBA. He has the high motor. He's just a good all around player, and the player that he is right now is a way better player than last year. I know Luca won't win it, but he definitely deserves some votes. Luca last year was you know rookie of the year. He was a great player. You could tell he was gonna have a bright future, but Luca. Luca this year, Luca, that's that's an MVP candidate. I, I do have him winning MVP next year, but I know um, the award is kind of it's kind of like a storyline too. Um, it's they give it to like players that no one really saw coming. So, <coughs> excuse me, Bamadayo. No one really saw Bamadayo coming out of nowhere and being this good. So he definitely deserves it. But Luca definitely deserves some co- consideration. He's been he's been amazing. Coach of the year, Nick Nurse. I think that one's pretty easy, too. Um, once Kawhi left the Raptors, everybody thought they were going to fall off a cliff. They were going to be, they were going to go back to being the same old Raptors, and the, the Raptors that people don't really care about. But with Nick Nurse there, you know, he steadied the ship. They're, they have a better win percentage this year than last year. They look they look like a scary team. Van Vliet and uh, Cal Lowry, Siakam, Ip- um, Ibaka, like that team, that team is nice. And I give Nick Nurse all the credit for being being a great coach. So those are my awards. One more time, John is MVP, John is Defensive Player of the Year, Rookie of the Year, John Morant, Most Improved, Bama Badayo, Coach of the Year, Nick Nurse. And they also announced that uh, they were going to give some Bobo Awards. Um, real quick, my Bobo MVP would be Devin Booker. The Suns are seven and zero. No one saw that coming. Um, DeAndre Ayton is a good, pretty good player. He's his second star or second up and coming player, and that's pretty much it. I mean, there's other decent players, but for the most part, it's been just Devin Booker. So my bubble MVP would be him. My all bubble team. They're also gonna name a like first team all bubble or something like that. I would have a uh, Lillard Booker. Luca, TJ Warren, and Embiid as my all bubble team. I think they've all played at elite levels and have uh, gotten their team some wins. But yeah, man, the NBA NBA is so dope. I'm so glad the NBA's back. The bubble has been great. All these players have been showing out in the bubble. The playoffs is almost here. We're like a week away from the playoffs. Um, the battle for the AC has been amazing. This is the first playoffs that we don't we don't know who's gonna make it out from each conference, so man, I'm excited. I'm excited. The NBA, NBA, it's, NBA is the shit, man. I love the NBA. All right, let's talk about Europa League and Champions League. Um, Europa League, all the quarterfinals are done. Um, we have United, Sevilla, Shakhtar, and Inter that are through to the semifinals. Champions League, uh, only one game has has finished. PSG was able to come back and beat Atalanta two one. Let's quickly let's talk about let's talk about the Wolves game. I was very disappointed with the Wolves. That is my favorite uh, Premier League team, and they look so bad. I cannot I cannot emphasize how bad they looked. Um, the team is a team that throughout the season they're they're like. Mostly a counterattacking team. They they could be decent with the ball on their foot, but for the most part, they're a counterattacking team. And you know they have players that could offer a lot up top: Raúl Jiménez, Adama Torre, Jota, Neto. They're all quality players. They're they're players that you know you look at and you know you don't you don't you don't think you have a bad attacking tandem with any of them up top. Raul Jimenez partnered with any of those players is a good is a good solid front front three, front two. And yesterday they just looked like they were uh, scared to go up, to go up to propose a game to to make Sevilla uncomfortable. I don't know why Nuno planted the team like that. A lot of people are saying that the team is just tired. It's been a long season. It's been the longest season ever over a year. Uh, the Wolves were one of the first teams to get started this season just because they had a enter in Europa League qualification so they started before everybody and now a year later more than a calendar year has gone and they're still in the same season so I understand that the squad the squad is not that deep 
it's it's almost the same 14, 15 players that play all the time. But that was so uninspiring. Like, the game against Sevilla, we had, like, no chances. We had just the penalty, and Raul unfortunately missed that uncanny of him. But it kind of, you know, it was a it set the tone, and you were like, okay, this is bad. If Raul Jimenez is missing penalties, it might be a long day. And it was. It looked like we couldn't play from the back. Our, our center backs kind of struggle to do that. I don't think they're good. They're that good with the, their ball on the feet. Cody is amazing at finding those long balls in the corners, but playing playing from the back looks like it's it's very difficult for our center backs to do. That might be one of the positions that we might have to upgrade in. Midfield looked tired. Midfield looked slow. It didn't look cre- creative at all. Moutinho, he, he's getting up there in age, so we might have to get somebody to, to take his spot. Neves, Neves uh, underperformed. You expect more from Neves, the quality player that he is. Dan Docker looked pretty slow, looked sluggish in the midfield. It was just a bad performance from the whole team. Sevilla had possession almost the whole game. They looked like the most dangerous team. You saw the game and you were like, damn, it's just a matter of time till they score. And sure enough, at the end of the game, they get a header off a quick corner kick. Uh, Wolves were, were slow to pressure that cross too. And, you know, it is what it is. Sevilla was the better team. Sevilla does deserve to go through. Sevilla was a favorite going into the game. I kind of saw it coming. I saw the Wolves were struggling in the last few games. As a Wolves fan, I hope for the best. But expected the worst, and the worst is what happened. And, you know, now we're left with no European soccer next year, which could be a good thing. It's going to be a short turnaround for the start of next season. Wolves don't have a very deep squad, so it might be good to just concentrate on the EPL for next season, concentrate on those domestic cups the one the one problem the one concern i do have is we have a lot of quality players in our roster and with no european soccer no europa no champions it might be hard to keep them this is the same this is the same um path that a lot of other smaller teams go on when they have a good two years good good little run two three years is is if you don't offer a quality player european soccer that quality player might not stick around to, you know, for you to obtain European soccer again. I think Leicester has has had decent success in keeping their players. Obviously, they lost Conte, but they're one of those teams that even Leicester and they won and they won the EPL. They had a hard time keeping all their players, and you know you've you've seen it happen to all the teams that do good: Everton, Sutherland. It, like most most teams in England are just a farm. It, like their main purpose, as sad as it is, is just to provide the top six their quality players, and it's really hard for those other teams to keep their really good players. And my worry is that now with no European soccer for next season, we'll see a max mass exodus out of the Wolves. Players I could see leaving for better better teams or teams with European soccer could be Raul Jimenez. He's linked. To Manchester, he's linked to Juventus. He's a quality player. I could see him leaving. Jota has been struggling, but he's a quality player. I could see him wanting to go to a, at least a Europa League team. Neves is an elite player. He's he's he could go to a big club too. And then Traoré, just because he he has so much pace, he's he's had big showings against like Manchester City. I could see a, a big team coming to scoop him up. Is is just uh is daunting. I, I'm hoping we're able to keep all of our players. Like I said, hope for the best, expect the worst. The worst would be everybody leaves. I expect maybe one or two players leave. Mostly Raul Jimenez, even though he's probably the most important player in the Wolves, I feel like he's the one that's gonna leave. He's just he's getting up there in age. He's 29, about almost nearing 30. This is the best soccer he's ever played. He, he's probably not gonna have another chance to go to a bigger team. And play European soccer, and everybody's every player's dream is to play Champions League and Europa League consistently in the top team, and lift some type of European silverware. So if a team comes calling, I don't blame him for wanting to leave. But hopefully, you know we're able to keep everybody, and we get to run it back next year. I do expect maybe one or two players will leave, and I hope we reinvest that money into uh, some other quality players. Maybe get more squad depth. If Jimenez leaves, we definitely need to invest in a good striker to take his spot. Like, 
and even then, we might need to get two strikers because after Jimenez this season, there was like no one. Like they could never really give Raul Jimenez some quality rest. So it'll be good to get some strikers, maybe get some center backs that could that are better on their feet. Go young on the midfield. I mean, Wolves Wolves got some. Wolves they have they have a short break, but they got a lot of work to do. Hopefully, uh, you know, they're able to get some good players and they're able to keep this momentum going. And next season, we could aim for, like, a seven, seventh or higher finish again. Hopefully sixth, fifth, maybe a Champions League spot. That would be great. But overall, Wolves had a good season. Nothing to hang your head about. Could have done better in Europa. Could have finished out EPL better. But overall, it's a really good season for the Wolves. Uh, I'm glad they're doing good in the EPL. I'm glad they're not one of those teams that just get moved up to the EPL to get relegated right back down. Good job for the Wolves. I'm excited for the future. Hopefully, they're able to keep most of their players. Unfortunate end of the season, but overall, good, good, good quality season in the second season on top flight. Other games in Europa, um, United, my favorites to win. My pick to win Europa looked very lackluster against Copenhagen. Um, the Copenhagen keeper looked great. They kept, uh, they kept them. He kept them in the in the in the game. But United just looked very weak. I might have to repick my pick, but I still got United coming out and winning Europa League. Just just because the squad. The squad is, they have the best squad. And I feel like they'll find a way to win. And that's what big big teams do. When you're not playing good, big teams find a way to win. And that's what they did. They got the 1-0 win, even though it was a penalty, but they figured it out. And that's the difference between like United and Wolves. Wolves had a rough game. And if they were a big team, they would have figured out a way to to sneak out a win against Sevilla. But they couldn't. So it is what it is. Uh, United go through. Inter Milan look pretty good. Um, they'll definitely give United a run for their money. Shakhtar look good too. Uh, there won't be no pushovers. But I do I do expect to see a United-Inter final. But Sevilla, Sevilla might give United some trouble, man. These La Liga teams, I don't know, but they they always match up good against EPL teams. They always give EPL teams a run for their money. And I would not be surprised if Sevilla goes through, but I do predict the Inter versus United final 2-0 United. As far as Champions League, Champions League resumed today. We had PSG against Atalanta. I had Atalanta winning 2-1 just because, you know, Atalanta came out of nowhere. I like the Cinderella story. They're a solid team. But PSG was able to come back in the last few minutes and get the 2-1 win. PSG, I, I did say in my last podcast that this is PSG's best chance of getting any type of Champions League glory. Because these games are they're not two-legged, they're one-legged. There's no, there's no um, second leg to choke away like PSG have done in the past, like they did against Barca. Like, PSG... They have, they have they have talent. They have a nice squad. They have the easier bracket and to make it to the final. Now, you know, hopefully they're able to for PSG fans, hopefully they're they're able to, you know, go far into the season. One thing I like to say is I'm kind of disappointed that uh today's game kind of brought disappointment to me just because I saw Neymar playing and I hadn't really seen him play that much in the last few seasons just because he went to PSG. League One is harder to catch on TV right here in the states. No one really watches, even if even if it was readily available. Um, league One is not a it's not a league that you want to invest time in or that you go out of your way to watch games. PSG kind of runs that league, and all the other teams are mediocre or half decent. But yeah, watching Neymar play again is it's kind of refreshing. Like he showed his talent. I saw him do some dribbles that I was like, damn, all right. I remember, I remember this Neymar when he was in Barca, and I was able to see him more often. Or when he's with uh, Brazil, and he's always on TV. Uh, that was it was nice to see, but then it was also disappointing because I was like, "Damn, I, we kind of we've kind of missed some of Neymar's prime just because he went to France. Like he should have gone to EPL, he should have started Barcelona, and he should have always been, you know, on TV and uh, available to like you know." most of people most of the people that watch soccer but i know a lot of people have not seen neymar play just for the simple fact that he's in france he's in psg no one really cares about that league 
we only see them play in Champions League, and Champions League have their games stacked where they usually play. There's multiple games going on at the same time. So if PSG is playing when your team's playing, you're not really watching PSG. I don't know. That's that's what happened with me. That's the reason I haven't really been seeing him that much in the last few years. He, he he's also injured pretty often. But it was nice to see him play. He's a quality player. He still has all those dribbles. He still flops. <laughs> he still flops like nobody's business. He'd be throwing himself around. He'd be, And he still has that problem where he, he doesn't know when to pass the ball. Or he doesn't know when enough is enough. He's a, he's a very... He likes to be a flair and he likes to, you know, showboat. And he likes to make his make the defenders look bad but sometimes he overdoes it where you already you know you already juked out a defender you already made your move you already passed him like the smart thing to do is would be to like maybe do a give and go with somebody or open it up wide and get in the box and he, and instead of doing that Neymar just holds on to the ball and keeps on trying to humiliate his defender which is fun it's cool it's entertaining or he he keeps he holds on to the ball and they foul him or they eventually take the ball away from him not every time it works out, but it's just frustrating because if Neymar was able to get that last that last touch or he was able to pass the ball out or just be smarter with the way he finishes his place, I feel like he would be a way better player and, you know, he would be able to elevate PSG to mm, new new heights. But because he, he, he doesn't do that, he is kind of a ball hog and he likes to showboat and he likes to make his defenders look bad as, as much as he can. Sometimes the end product is not there, but he's still a great player and he's fun to watch. I can't I can't deny that. Even with the flopping and all the whining he does, he's a fun player to watch. I would like to see him go back to Barca, maybe Real, not Real Madrid. I wouldn't want him in Real Madrid, but I wouldn't mind him being going back to Barca and reigniting that rivalry with Real Madrid or going to the EPL. I think that would be very fun. Neymar Neymar deserves to be watched by more people. Like he's a good player. And they need to. Uh, he needs to go to a bigger market. Even though PSG is in France, that's a big market. But soccer-wise, no one really watches them. And then the other games that we have is Bayern versus Barcelona, uh, Atletico Madrid versus Red Bulls, Man City versus Leon. Tomorrow is uh, Red Bulls versus Atletico Madrid. Atletico Madrid should should pull out like a vintage Atletico win, one zero or two zero, packing the bag. Getting in the counterattack, being very stout in the back, and you know not conceding a goal, and, and basically toughing out a victory. I expect that to happen tomorrow. Atletico Madrid should win. Um, should be a Red Bull. Barcelona versus Bayern. I would say Bayern pretty easily. They have a way better squad. They're in a way better form. It should definitely be Bayern, but you can never count out Messi. Messi is still Messi. He's still a great player. And if he's on, Barca could win. But I do have Bayern winning 3-1. Going away, kind of. But they are the better team. They're way deeper. Position for position, Bayern is just almost a way better team. So I do have Bayern winning. And then Man City versus Leon. Man City should win it. And same thing that I've said about PSG. If Man City ever hopes to get some Champions League silverware, this would be the season. There's no two-legged playoffs. There's less pressure. They're three games away from being champions. They got to win three games and they're champions. This would be the year to do it. Man City, for all the money you've invested, for all the good players that you have, for all the money you're paying Guardiola, for all the money he's spent since he's gotten there, this this has to be the year. Three more wins and you're champion. Doesn't get, doesn't get you can't put it simpler than that. You got to win three games and you're champions. There's no double, there's no two legs. This is it. Man City has to show up. Leon has a pretty all right squad, but I don't think they'll be able to keep up with Man City. And yeah. Oh, one more thing I wanted to talk about was the the conclusion of the MLS is back tournament. Portland was able to win and beat champions. But man, that game was so hard to watch. There's so many mistakes. Ah, I just don't want to keep talking talking down on the MLS, talking shit to the MLS, but Man, the MLS is struggling right now. Their defense, every defense just has elementary mistakes. You watch highlights, you watch the game, you watch you watch a lot of things, and you're just left like, wow, how are these people even professional? Like, what, how are you attacking the ball like that? Like, I saw, I saw a player where the defender had a, it would have been an easy clear if he hits it with his right foot. 
but he tries to clear it with his left and it's a bad angle so he mishits it so then the attacker is left going inside the box and he just basically tackles him and i'm like man that's just some sloppy soccer mls like i said their player pool wasn't that deep to keep adding all these teams and they've been adding teams and teams and teams so at some point you gotta like relax and let the player pool catch up to the amount of teams they have but i don't know man the mls it might be some good tv just because a lot of goals are being scored but uh as a soccer aficionado soccer being my favorite sport sometimes i just can't watch i can't just i gotta turn off the tv it's just like why am i watching this This is so sloppy it's it's not that entertaining and i don't have the the attachment with any of the teams i don't i don't feel anything for most of these teams lafc a little bit but like all these other teams like timbers watching the timbers doesn't do anything for me really like it's not they don't have history or they're not a world-renowned team where i'm like hey you know what it's sloppy soccer but at least i'm watching the timbers i don't feel that way mls has to pick it up man it's just there's a lot of good there's a lot of good sports out there on tv now all these sports had to take a hiatus and now most of these sports are back all at the same time so if mls wants to compete wants to get some ratings wants to catch people's attention these players got to pick it up or else everyone's gonna forget about the mls and they're gonna be watching something else but that's pretty much it for episode two of the podcast thank you so much for sticking around this long and hearing me out nba's nba is beautiful i'm so glad we're gonna have some exciting playoffs europa league and champions league are winding down unfortunate for all of us wolves fans all of us that are Wolves fans and saw the Wolves lose. But it is what it is. Thank you so much for listening to me. This is Ish signing out. Have a great day.